This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In the world is time, for time is the essence of life. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Monday, September 25th, 2017. I'm John Lagomarsino. Today on The Dispatch, Adrian Jeffries with the story of how Netflix, Microsoft, and Google may have just quietly changed how the web works. This is basically the only epic fight that the W3C has ever had. Here's The Dispatch. The future. Adrian, you're telling us that some private companies have quietly changed the internet recently. Yes, that was the headline on the story. And like all headlines, it is by nature reductive. (laughs) It's a lot more complicated than that. But what basically happened is that a long, drawn-out four-year process has concluded. And that process was at the World Wide Web Consortium, which is an international body of stakeholders that decides standards for the Internet. So that's things like how HTML works. Um, in order to make sure that all websites and all browsers are interoperable. Anyone making content on the internet and anyone making tools for the internet looks to these standards so that everything works together cleanly and smoothly. And who's part of the, I guess you call the W3C? Yes. It has 463 members now. One member just quit Mm. because of this recent controversy Those stakeholders include private companies like Google and Netflix, as well as lots of university, um, academic types of institutions and nonprofits. It's pretty much a range. Anybody can join as long as you build stuff for the web and you can afford their dues. So the recent controversy is something that tends to favor these private companies. Yes. So this is kind of one of the oldest conflicts on the web is like the interests of regular users versus the interests of larger, probably more corporate interests. And copyright tends to be a major flashpoint for that conflict because users are like, we want information to be free. We want to be able to play songs on all of our devices. We want to be able to share music with friends. And rights holders are like, actually, we would like to carefully track and control how you share this content. Right. I remember when the iTunes store first launched, you'd get a song and it could only play on your licensed account because of DRM on the track. Right. Exactly. And when that happened, Steve Jobs wrote this public letter about this issue of DRM, digital rights management, the software kind of lock, and said, you know, DRM is bad. Apple had to make that concession to rights holders in order to be able to give users music through the iTunes store. So this conflict is very old. What is new now is that in the past, if you wanted to play a DRM-protected video from someone like Netflix, you would have to download one of these plugins like Microsoft Silverlight or Adobe Flash are the most common ones. Yes. What happened starting around 2012 is that the browser makers decided to phase out these plugins 
and phase in this new support for DRM that would just happen seamlessly in the browser mm. without users having to download anything. And how did they agree on what that standard for DRM in the browser would be? Right. So all the browser makers kind of started to do it on their own without a standard. And that's where the W3C comes in okay. is when this thing is happening across the web, you want to get everybody on the same page so that it all works nicely together. So what's the standard called? The standard is called Encrypted Media Extensions, or EME. The browser makers were all doing EME anyway, but they wanted to get sort of that standard recommended by the W3C, which is what the W3C calls it when a standard is endorsed. They say they're recommending a standard. So if I, right now, if I open up Chrome on my laptop and I go to Netflix and start watching a show, am I watching it with EME protection? Yes. The last browser to add EME protection was Firefox. Okay. I think that happened earlier this year. Okay, so if all of the major browsers are supporting this anyway, why is it controversial that the W3C would be uh, adopting EME as well, a standard? this is basically the only epic fight that the W3C has <laughs> ever had. And the reason that people were fighting over it was because, yeah, it was happening anyway, but... There were two arguments. One was that by endorsing it, the W3C could no longer say that it was genuinely trying to make the web better because it had capitulated to this technology that a lot of people think, you know, including Steve Jobs, believe that this technology is, I wrote, stupid and greedy. So the second reason why people were upset about the W3C's involvement in this thing that was already happening was because some people argued that the W3C could have done something to make it better for users. Like the W3C doesn't have zero leverage. It has a lot of influence. And so the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is a pretty radical fight for the users, digital civil rights group. Right. You hear them every time there's some kind of net neutrality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They joined the W3C expressly to fight this. And their argument was, if you put DRM in the browser, you make it so that security researchers and people who are trying to tinker around with the web to do things like archive or make something more accessible for people with vision or hearing impairment, those people can sort of accidentally like do a major crime <laughs> because copyright law right. <laughs> in the U.S. is very strong. So the EFF said, at first they said, don't do this, W3C, we're going to fight it with all our might. And then when it became clear that that was not going to be a winning strategy, they shifted and said, okay, do this change, make EME a standard, but make these companies promise that they're not going to use that to go after security researchers. And the W3C said, okay, we think that idea has merit. We will put that through our crazy bureaucratic process, and then it just got stonewalled. And once the standard passed last week, the companies that came out very happy were the cable industry, oh, man. the MPAA, the RIAA. Oh, they they put favorites. out all these statements saying, like, we really think this is a good <laughs> thing. Congratulations to the W3C, which is telling. So... What was the fallout of this then? The fallout is that some people have jumped ship at the W3C. The EFF said, we're resigning. 
the CEO of W3C told me that had never happened before. Mm. There was another staff member at the W3C who told me he resigned. So people were really upset. The vote, which was only only a fraction of the total membership participated, which is very typical for the W3C, this time they had a record amount of participation. They had 185 members out of 463 members actually participate. Wait, so what's this vote like? What, like, are we talking about like screaming matches on these calls, or what is like what is a heated fight at the W3C? Well, it involves a lot of angry forum posts and posts on people's blogs. And then I think when it comes to the actual vote, I'm not sure because it's private. Okay, so the EFF resigns in protest, which seems somewhat reasonable. But is this like an indication that corporate interests are chipping away at the W3C and, and, and getting more and more powerful? That is what people were worried about. I think it's not just that they are getting more influence in the W3C. I mean, the W3C has a lot of member organizations. 75% of the membership is not major corporations like Google. So I think it might be unfair to say, like, oh, Google has the W3C in its pocket. It's really more about how Google... Microsoft, Netflix, and these other stakeholders that are giant corporations have managed to change things in the real world so that they have all of the leverage. I don't know if you're comfortable speculating, but like this seems like a door cracking open to potentially worse things down the road. Like where could this lead in terms of users having less control over their experience on the internet? I do think that's a valid question. I think it's significant that this was a battle that had significant pushback. 30% of the vote was no. But they ultimately lost. They ultimately lost, but that's why I think it's significant is that there was this real fight on behalf of the users and they lost. And so if you are imagining how that plays out in the future, it doesn't really seem like the users will be able to gain any ground. And it also seems like if they hadn't caved to this, uh, Netflix, YouTube, any video provider that wants to protect their streams could say, okay, fine, go download our native app and completely bypass the open web altogether, right? Exactly. That is the other danger with this, and I think that is a big part of why the W3C decided to go along with it is because the people who are passionate about web standards are people who are passionate about the web as a thing. And I was trying to explain this, and the best analogy I could come up with is you imagine that the web is like a library where you can get books from all publishers and there's one system for how to check them out and everybody is eligible versus imagine getting rid of that library and just replacing it with a series of stores from each publisher, and at each store you can only buy books from that publisher and they can charge you however much they want. That's pretty much what happens if companies and publishers and people abandon the open web. They end up using the Netflix app where they can control exactly the copyright protections of what you're watching. And that is something that everybody, I think, is rightly concerned about. So for now, we get to keep the library, but they've installed 
security cameras and metal detectors at the door. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, John. Adrian Jeffries is a senior editor here at The Outline. That's it for The Dispatch. We'll be back with more stories tomorrow. Remember, we're here every morning, Monday through Thursday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, really anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm John Lago Marcino. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>